windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Butterbuster, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks is spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have a perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's Tuesday, Sanders and the Sidekick back with you. Jam-packed show as normal. And we'll throw a little curveball at you here. We're going to go top 25 basketball. That's our normal Tuesday, right? Uh, special guest Austin Harrington. Sticking with the football theme, Hero Sports came out with their top 50 FCS recruiting classes. And the Bucks are rated in that class. If you're on Twitter yesterday, you may have found out, but we'll break that down for you. A little detail, Brian McLaughlin, who wrote the piece for Hero Sports, a friend of the show's been on before, he's going to try to come on either late this week or next week, so we'll be able to really dive into uh, his breakdown and all the things that went into him coming up with his own ranking system because, let's be honest, he has to come up with his own because uh, most of the sites worry about uh, the big boys, if you will. And so uh, he does a good job of covering all of FCS. And, again, he spent many hours coming up with a formula and uh, all that coming up and more on today's show. Mike, you ready? Excited you to talk to uh, Austin Herrick. We'll have kind of a smorgasbord of topics with him, not only ETSU signing day, touch on that. We'll also go a bit off the beaten path for Santos and the Sidekick, talk some NFL, some Super Bowl, some NBA trade deadline as well with Austin. And then, of course, the main entree for the conversation is hearing how things went for him with uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, if he did get a call back, the Toronto Argonauts, is he working with them, uh, what is going on with his playing career, uh, and then also what's going on with his professional outside of football career. So that'll be a good conversation. But I am very ready to hear exactly what Brian McLaughlin did use in order to come up with this whole ranking system. All right, criteria, and uh, he's, he's put it out there. I'm going to let him explain it when we have him on. But for right now, he put a very quick, short list of sort of what went into his criteria and point system basically it's a point system whoever uh, pretty pretty obvious whoever has the most points had the number one class and so on all the way down and it, it basically started with uh it's not using the 24 7 star formula or rivals or other things like that it's based off scholarship offers because not many of those type sites dive deep past a certain type player nor do they know there's always hidden gems we know that so Basically, what he's done is based off scholarship offers. If you hold at least three FCS offers, that's a bonus point to your school's ranking. No matter what, though, if you signed, you're going to help that formula go. It's based only on incoming freshmen, true freshmen. So, that's, so you could have one of your prep school. No JUCOs, no other transfer from either FCS, Division Two, or, of course, FBS transferring down. So this is just freshman-based and uh, there'll be a different ranking once the spring ball has been cleared and announced by the schools with all the transfers and all that. So there'll be a separate ranking once all that goes down where he will factor in the transfers. But this is just off National Signing Day. 
what they consider a D1 scholarship. Uh, there was 2,500 or more FCS signees. So did they hold a Power 5 offer? That's worth a point. Was it an FBS offer? That's a point. Was How many FCS did they have? And then there's other tiered criteria on quality, quantity of signees. And, and so it could hurt a school if maybe they only had like 10 scholarships to give as opposed to schools that may be more of the traditional 20 to 25 to give. So he, he did put that caveat out there as well. Conferences like the Northeast Conference Pioneer League, who tend to sign players late in the NCAA sign-in period, deep in the spring, will be ranked at a later time. And, again, those are either have less scholarships. I think the uh, uh, the NEC, if I'm not mistaken, Northeast Conference only holds about 20 scholarships as opposed to the 63. And then the Pioneer League is a non-scholarship, uh, and so they kind of get the – the best of the rest. So that that's the criteria that went into it. And to break that down even further, there were 109 players that held a Power 5 conference offer. There were 569 players that had an FBS offer. Now, somebody may hold five FBS offers, so that kind of counts as, as five individually ones there. So that's a little bit skewed that way. 24-7, three-star uh, prospects, there were 277 out of the 2,500. Six stars. Now, what he does there, this is the confusing one for me. I had to really dive deep into his six-star system. Stars, okay. If you were a three-star at 24-7 and at Rivals, so you had to be a three-star on both, that gotcha. is the elusive six-star. Gotcha. There were only 70 athletes that held the six-star rating, and there were 136 decommits, and that list right. will be coming out next week. So, that being said, top ten, Mike Gallagher. Yeah, so I'm very interested in this top ten for a few reasons. Firstly, there are three Ivy League schools in it. Harvard got the number one class overall. I certainly understand the academic element of this, don't get me wrong, but Harvard number one, Yale number six, and Princeton number seven, and if you don't pay close attention to Ivy League football or the FCS playoffs in general, then you probably won't even know that these teams play football at the FCS level because they do not participate in the FCS playoff. They play just 10 games, and there's been much talk about them joining the FCS playoffs. They're one of three conferences in the FCS that do not participate in the playoff. They, it seems, still are far away from a deal to do that amongst the presidents in the Ivy League, but Harvard, the number one class, Yale number six, and Princeton number seven. I believe Princeton was the conference champion last year, so very interesting to see those three in the top ten, considering you do not have a shot at a national championship, which I think for many college recruits, not all, a lot want to use their college experience to go on to the next level and go play uh, NFL or AAF or XFL, depending on uh, what your level of proficiency on the football field is, but you've got three Ivy League schools. I thought it was interesting to see Stephen F. Austin, who had a 2-8 and eight season, have the number one recruit in the country, and Carl Williams, who was an Arkansas decommit, one of those 136 decommits he talked about, had eight Power 5 offers, uh, including Minnesota. I'm not surprised that he didn't go there, but this looks like a man already, a defensive tackle, Carl Williams, going to Stephen F. Austin. Looks like about 310 and just ready to knock anyone out of the way that is in his path. So, you have those four. Of course, there's NDSU and James Madison in the top ten as well. And then the SoCon school that's there, Western Carolina. I thought that, uh, you know, with their success team-wise lately, of course, they had a good start two years ago and then kind of trailed off at the end and a rough year uh, this season. But I think a little surprising to see them sneak into that top ten. But they've got a lot on the defensive side of the ball they brought in. And, of course, everyone knows about the offense. Yeah, uh, they can – well, and they're going to have Tyree Adams for one more year. But right. the, the, they tout three guys and really the, the – one that shocked everybody was Christian Harris, who is a 
defensive lineman, I think, out of the state of Georgia. He had five defensive – or he had – sorry, he had five FBS offers. Uh, and at one time he had one power uh, five as a lower tier, but it was a power five offer. So getting him at the defensive tackle certainly changes things tremendously. Uh, they've got a defensive back. They've got a running back. Shaheen McQueen, who's another guy that I know they touted, out of the top 500 recruits that uh, Brian McLaughlin had identified, Western Carolina took home eight of those. And so a huge haul, uh, I think, for the Catamounts and kind of shocked everyone in the Southern Conference that they would be ranked as high as where they are. So in the rest of the top 50, you look at the SOCON, and they have, let's see, five more schools. Of course, ETSU came in number 23. We'll talk about them in a second. Furman, number 16. Mercer, number 17. Then the Bucks, Then Wofford at number 30. You've got five SOCON schools in the top 30, which I think is a big feather in the conference's cap. Chattanooga, number 38. So that leaves only, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wofford, Citadel, and VMI without spots in that top 50. Is that correct? I'm well, trying to do the math wait, in my head here. Wait, wait, wait. You said Wofford. They're 30. They're 30. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep, that's, yeah, so that makes sense. So what am I missing here? VMI, Citadel, and I'm missing one of their uh, uh, – Sanford not in there? Sanford, that's correct. So, yeah, that's where I screwed up. So, Sanford and Wofford, the FERDs, the F-O-R-Ds on the end screwed me up. So you've got the six – that, he, that So the SOCOM put in the top 50, and then Sanford, VMI, and Citadel not making it. I, I was kind of shocked, and again, out of the top 50. So what hurt Furman even more, think about this, it was by the number of signings. He only signed 16 players. Right. So, and, and again, this doesn't include transfer. Now, North Dakota State has a couple of big transfers coming in, so and, and they, I think they were fourth or fifth on the list, so I'll be curious to see uh, where they go. Chattanooga is a very transfer-heavy school traditionally. Sanford is also a transfer-heavy school, so I'll be curious to see how that kind of equals out. Mercer, Furman, and Western, for the most part, have not been. ETSU, for the most part. Now, there's a, a wide receiver right now on campus for Mississippi State. I don't know how much, you know, just one guy will kind of elevate that. Now, if a quarterback comes into play, Bob Sitton, then maybe that will. I, I did find it interesting as the uh, number of ranked best players at the top uh, 500, number five uh, ETSUs get at defensive uh, and slash linebacker uh, Devin Brantley, who we talked a lot about on signing day, was the number fifth overall for Brian McLaughlin. But uh, ETSU came in at 23 with 28 signings, and it was a fairly large senior class. But before we get to that, so Furman, you mentioned with the 16 players that they had, their highest recruit in Brian McLaughlin's rankings was Evan Jumper, an offensive lineman at number 51. So no one in the top 50 not a lot of players in the class itself, which should tell you based off the ranking system that you just explained how solid a lot of those guys were. There's not a lot that were outside of that top 500 that he put together. A lot of the guys that can contribute right away. Devin Brantley, you mentioned it. Riverdale, Georgia he had offers from Louisville, Colorado State, six Power 5 schools and 19 FCS schools total. Uh, then Devontez Walker at number 110. So ETSU, one of the top 100. And then Walker at 110. He's out of Charlotte, of course. Uh, 91 catches for 1,153 yards last year. He was going to East Carolina, decommitted, also had an offer from West Virginia and six total offers, but came to ETSU. Tyler Rydell, the quarterback that we also discussed a lot. We'll talk a little bit about him with Austin Herrick coming up as well. Number 265, uh, Central Florida 
which of course was the one that I was uh, not miffed because I'm just very happy that, that all of these recruits were at ETSU and I don't doubt Randy Sanders worked a little bit of magic but you see that name and all the success they've had 23 game winning streak or 5 25 game winning streak whatever it was before uh, I think their bowl game is one they lost but uh, Florida Atlantic as well he was going to Akron decided on ETSU instead Blake Austin the offensive lineman number 267 he was going to Coastal decommitted now at ETSU uh, Travion Houston is that one that we talked about that's an athlete but also had the quarterback tag uh, thrown on as well going to have a chance to win that quarterback job at number 275 so how encouraging for ETSU to lose their quarterback in Austin Herrick not have Logan Marchy anymore as Randy Sanders confirmed last week at the signing day press conference but have two in the top 300 of recruits that are listed as quarterbacks that can come in and push each other for that job two FBS offers from Houston 10 offers total DeAndre Davis the linebacker rounding out the six that ETSU placed in the top 300, DeAndre Davis, uh, Marshall, Georgia State also had six other FCS offers. So you can see with the amount of offers that these guys racked up, specifically the ones that were at the FBS level, but even around the FCS, it seems like ETSU was not outgunned by any FCS school. It certainly seemed like at least. You had some FBS decommits uh, come to uh, Johnson City, and then of course you have the FCS schools where you know, you've got like 19 offers for Devin Brantley from the FCS and six Power Fives, and he chooses... ETSU. I love that these decisions were made, and certainly six in the top 300. You talked about Western Carolina, eight in the top 500. ETSU, six in the top 300, pretty formidable. I I, I mean, some of these lists, first of all, for him to put this together is just amazing Uh, because there's, you know, and again, I don't know if you know, Hero Sports really about a three-man operation uh, that that the guys put it all together, and for Brian McLaughlin to go through all of those, do the math. Painstaking. Uh, I'm sure he has a spreadsheet that kind of helps with calculations, but still, I mean, that's a lot of legwork for 2,500 recruits. And then to take all that information and then rank his own top 300, which, again, I've looked at some of the FCS sites. This is by far the most comprehensive and at least well thought of as opposed to just saying, well, Rivals gave him this, so here's my deal. So he kind of took a lot of things into consideration. And you look at the top five, and uh, to meet just players, and you already mentioned Stephen F. Austin, Arkansas decommit number two was a linebacker. Colin Demons is going to play at Maine. He's a UCLA. Then all of a sudden, Harvard got a defensive lineman, had eight power five offers. Tennessee Jeez. Tech got a homegrown wide receiver from Columbia, Tennessee. Um, uh, actually, the home of D'Amico Childers, for those of you checking. But um, eight power five offers himself. And so you're looking at that. 19 FBS and six power fives for Brantley. So they knew it was a good get. Uh, in the Atlanta area for uh, Randy Sanders. So I'm pretty excited to talk to Brian McLaughlin about all this, really more about how he puts all this together and then maybe get into some of the things he thought about ETSU's class. But you mentioned you look at that top 300, they are sprinkled in there, and it did not take long for ETSU. And, and I'll say this, Randy Sanders said, these guys that were already on and got somewhat committed before the playoffs. So I'll be curious. Now, Brantley wasn't, and, and uh, Rydell, the quarterback, wasn't. But all, most of the other guys were already solids. I'll be curious to see now that the playoffs has happened, how quickly does the door open to guys that maybe they were not open to before. Two other notes. Yeah, there's still a lot to be done here, obviously. But two other notes. Uh, ETSU is tied for the fourth most recruits in the top 50 of these rankings. So it should tell you just how busy Randy Sanders and his staff were. Also, Trey Middleton was not listed yeah, on this list. And so that's really for a lot of the guys that you talk to down in football just down the hall from us, they'll say that's one of, if not the top guy in this class for them. So, I mean, 
de facto throw in another seventh with Trey Middleton, who who everyone thinks it seems like that we've talked to in football uh, is you know right up there with any of these guys, including Brantley. Uh, you have to be pretty confident. Yeah, I, I like exactly uh, what they've done, and I like the needs. So that tells you something else. The needs ETSU was looking for and where they came in the top 300. And then, you know, it was a little bit of sprinkled of, well, you know, that's the best player out there at that position. Uh, you know, but offense, defensive line, I, you know, again, the old edge, you can't have enough, right? Uh, and especially for the 3-4 defense, and, and we know one thing about Billy Taylor and his uh, second tenures defense coordinator, ETSU, he certainly knows how to coach some linebackers, right? He knows how to get the front three to eat up a lot of space and then let the linebackers go get theirs, go make the tackle, make the plays, uh, athleticism, and that's uh, certainly kept them in. Also, you look at positionally, I mentioned the two quarterbacks, but then also a wide receiver, right? ETSU and Randy Sanders have mentioned it a lot. They want playmakers on the outside to have Devontae Walker at 110, an offensive lineman. Yes, ETSU pretty strong on the offensive line coming back, but looking for a center or someone that can play that position that touches the ball every play. You've got Blake Austin, number 267. Not sure where they're going to play him, but just more depth on that offensive line. Linebacker where you're going to try and replace Austin Gatewood and Dylan Weigel. Positionally, where these guys come in with the quarterback, linebacker, offensive line, wide receiver, I think it's massive to have those six listed as they are because that is depth at positions that you need. It's not just guys that are you know best available or, or may have to wait a little bit of time. They have a chance to contribute right away because there are holes on the roster in those positions. And I was kind of shocked that Isaiah Wilson, who sure. who was a, a very uh, coveted FCS yeah. receiver, uh, was a commit to Jacksonville State up until literally the night before signing day and yeah. flipped and came to ETSU. I was kind of shocked he wasn't on the list, and I don't know um, – uh, well, West Charlotte High School, first of all, is one of the best high schools in North Carolina. And he held an offer at East Carolina at one point decommitted. So I can see uh, Walker, uh, but Wilson might be under that 300 radar uh, as far as guys. I thought Ruff was also Dwayne Ruff was a guy that held uh, some offers that, that may be under the radar that the staff is high on. So I'll be curious. And that's a, that's a safety cornerback. Or it could be a linebacker depending on how much weight he gains. Yeah, certainly Wilson is someone I look at the list and I talk about you know the linebacker that wasn't on the list, Middleton, and then I'm like, oh, I don't even remember Wilson, who's a guy that, yeah, until the night before, everyone was saying there's no way. And then you get him too. So, geez, throw that in with Middleton and, uh, and uh, Wilson. And I think that this class is looking stronger and stronger from Pundit's point of views and on the inside too. Well, and we're still trying to get Brian McLaughlin to talk about this, and we want to get Randy Sanders in here. We want to get one more uh, day with him oh, we'll to talk him. about the, this uh, class and what he want to accomplish for, you know, maybe get his thoughts going into spring practice, things he'd like to accomplish, stuff like that. So uh, we do have another football thing on the other side of the break. It's Austin Herrick. We'll talk to him a little bit later on. Top 25, and we're, are we efforting Angry Man? Is that we the, are efforting Angry Man. Uh, we'll see what happens. No guarantee, but we are efforting. Yeah, on the Probably CP, depends on if you're here or not. That's what I was going to say. See if he kicks me out of the studio again. All right, we'll step aside for a timeout when we come back. Austin Herrick on the other side. Sanders and the sidekick on the Buccaneers. Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. 
With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed Bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Justin the sidekick, Mike Gallagher, alongside Austin Herrick. The Real Life Route Tree is back after a week off. And, Austin, before we get to all the stuff that we were discussing two weeks ago, I, I want to get to some other professional and college sports items because you very much pay attention to such things. And you've now that you've ended your ETSU college career, your school career as well, you've had a little bit of a chance to uh, step away, have some more time on your hands, at least in theory, and be, so we, before we get to anything with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Toronto, Toronto Argonauts, your playing career, etc., I need to get a couple of things from you. Firstly, last week on Santos and the Sidekick, Angry Man and Jay Sandos both thought that, of course, Jay being the Patriots fan that he is, he was like, greatest game ever. This was phenomenal. The Patriots are amazing. Tom Brady's the GOAT. And Angry Man, when reading all of the takes on Twitter and all the expert opinions, quote-unquote, his thought was, I can't believe that everyone is shredding this Super Bowl that was very low scoring, of course, and drew the ire of many as being boring and nothing happened and et cetera, et cetera. And then you maybe saw Trey Wingo uh, yell at everyone to shut the H up and you people are the worst that watched the entire game but didn't turn it off and I just want to complain, which I 
fell into the camp of, without a doubt. I mean, I can't turn it off. I'm, uh, I'm very much a captive audience when it comes to the NFL. They've got me. I can't let go. And even in a game like that, it is the Super Bowl. There are 100 million people watching. I want to see every part of it. I want to see the commercials. I want to see the halftime show. And then I talked with both of them about the commercial and halftime show being terrible. And Jay said, watch the game. That was his, that was his solution to it. Watch the game. It's about the game, which I think for the majority of America is not true. I think that the NFL audience on a week-to-week basis – 14 to 18 million during the regular season in the playoffs goes to about 25 to in some cases this year I think it was like 45 million for the championship game which was crazy but then you jump up to 100 million on CBS so that's more than half of 45 million and I'm thinking that a lot of people are watching because of Maroon 5, Travis Scott, Big Boy, or whoever the halftime show is, and then the commercials, which are very much water cooler talk as they have been for the better part of 30, 40 years since the commercials became the thing that they did. Was it the worst Super Bowl of all time, firstly? Were the commercials and halftime show equally as bad? Was it a waste of four hours? I want general impressions and any hot takes you have. Um, well, obviously I don't have, like, I've never watched all the Super Bowls, but in my lifetime, I would say they're the worst that's that's happened. Wow. The halftime show, um, with the exception of Big Boy, was just awful. Embarrassment, wasn't it? Yeah, embarrassingly bad. Um, the game, it was a well-played football game, um, but not very exciting. Um, so, for the listeners or the watchers or whatever, I could certainly see where that would be boring. Um, and the commercials, as I told you earlier, were probably the worst that I've seen, other than the 100 Years of Football one, which was pretty cool. And that didn't even strike me as so much of an ad as it was a feature from the organization putting on the show that the NFL Super Bowl was. So th- I know everyone called it an ad. To me, that was more – it was two minutes long. That's really generally not ad length. It was – it seemed like a PR – well, I guess ads are PR. But – in some ways, it didn't seem to me like a commercial, but I agree. That was good. Yeah. Everything else, there were some uh, appeals to emotion, very heartwarming type things. I thought the first responder thing, you know, that, that was pretty cool. But generally, commercials have always been entertainment. You know, make me laugh. Not once did I even crack a smile at a commercial. Yeah, it was just painfully awkward sometimes. Ah. Like, is that the punchline to that? Is that, like, where they were going with it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I enjoy watching Tom Brady, and I enjoy watching – McVeigh's offense and, and all of that. But Did you enjoy watching McVeigh's no, offense? No, 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 not that day. Um, but typically, I was I was really excited for the Super Bowl. I was expecting a really high scoring game, right? Um, and we didn't get that, so I was locked in like you for the whole time. But um, certainly left some to be desired this year. I'll just let you say it if you want. Could you have done better than Jared Goff in that Super Bowl? I mean, that's hard to say. Say it. Come on, Dawson, say it. <laughs> I, there were some plays I was like, man, yeah, I, I can't believe he made that decision. Right. Um, but it, it's hard to hard to judge or hard to you know when comment on it <laughs> right. when, when you're not out yes. there. Because I've been out there, and I'm sure there's plenty of people who's like, well, I'm sure you could have done better than Austin last Saturday. So it's uh, it's tough to say that. I will fully out myself if you believe it is outing oneself to say that I am a Maroon Five fan. Um, I there was speaking of nothing exciting on the field. I just didn't think there was anything exciting about the halftime show. I think Travis Scott is completely talentless. I'll just say that. I mean, his his work is garbage. Uh, I, I enjoy that song actually, but I don't think it requires a tremendous amount of talent to do. Uh, Big boy. I think a lot of people were looking for the Outcast reunion, and so maybe the expectation hurt Big Boy there. 
But then with Maroon 5, I, I thought Adam Levine sounded really bad. Uh, the fact that the other four were there, I didn't really think was important because let's just be honest, no one knows who the other four are. I think, it, I think it's Adam Levine with a bunch of his buddies. And, and, and I think that those four could rotate out with other people and no one would even know. I really think that. Um, so I'm a Maroon 5 fan. Like I like Maroon 5's music, but they didn't play a lot of their best music, I thought. And when they did play anything that I think you know would move the needle, it sounded pretty bad. Yeah, um, someone I was watching it with said that Adam Levine sounded like he had never sung those songs out loud before. <laughs> and I thought that was a really interesting take, which I kind of agreed with. Yeah, I, he was all over the place. Um, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing because I was getting texts from people that know I enjoy Maroon 5, and they were like, God, what is this? And, you know, they're just texts you can't answer. You yeah. know, they're texts you can't answer because you're just going to continue to hear it. I think it would much, be much like if – Jay, who will be back with his next segment, uh, the Patriots had lost, you know, and after the game, he would get all the, oh, look at your franchise now. They're back to being the Cleveland Browns before the Cleveland Browns were. But obviously, he did not take the L that I did and Maroon 5 did uh, on that Sunday. Okay, you're a big NBA guy, and this is just stuff we don't get to talk about on the show a lot because, you know, we focus very heavy on ETSU and FCS and mid-major basketball. But since you're here and you enjoy talking about this stuff, I get a chance to unburden myself in some ways. When the Kristaps Porzingis trade came down, of course, NBA trade deadline just passing last week, and when it did come down, I could not believe that the New York Knicks were still as inept as they have been the last 20 years since Patrick Ewing, John Starks, Larry Johnson, list goes on, and Charles Oakley, uh, since that group gave way to Zach Randolph, Eddie Curry, Stephon Marbury. (laughs) But even Luttrell was part of some of those good teams. Allen Houston. Allen Houston was part of that team was stacked Mm -hmm. in the mid to late 90s. The fact that it never won a title. I mean, I'm sure all of them can't look Michael Jordan in the eye because, you know, that's the guy that denied them a lot of those. But since then, it has been a complete dumpster fire in the mecca of basketball. And it hurts me because Madison Square Garden, when basketball is good looks like so much fun and it just is not heck in your lifetime the Knicks have been good for about two or three years and they were your first two or three years on this planet I'm a little bit older than you are so I remember a little bit more of it but but even really I wasn't in tune a whole lot with Jordan and that era a ton simply because you know I was a tiny guy myself but this struck me as one of the most head-scratching decisions now I get that it frees up like a gajillion dollars in cap room, but the Mavericks just went from being an afterthought, you know, just being something to tune in to see Luka Doncic for, to I think if they can add like a Mike Connolly at the point or someone that can distribute, you've got four guys that can go 20 plus points per game in Hardaway, Doncic, Kristaps, and um, Harrison Barnes. This is a dangerous squad. The Knicks completely lost. What are they doing? So. I like what the Mavericks did, obviously. You yeah. can't dislike that. Sure. But I think the uh, the Knicks are trying to you know, play the long term here. I think they're trying to have a big summer, try to sign KD or uh, Kyrie, and then kind of shake things up. I don't think they could have done that um, with their current roster or with Kristoff. So uh, I think they had to move them, and you know, we'll see what they do this summer. If they don't get anyone this summer, then they look like idiots. What is the motivation – to play for the New Yorker Knicks right now, knowing it is a complete train wreck of a franchise. Is it just because it's in New York and it is the Garden? Because at some point, for me, that wouldn't be enough. 
I think the train wreck is a positive. I think that they feel like they could turn it around. Okay. Kind of like LeBron in Cleveland. Like Kyrie has been saying he wanted his own deal and he wanted to, you know, turn things around and be that kind of guy. I think, you know, he does that. He brings another superstar with him um, and kind of shifts the balance of power in the East. And, you know, really it just takes one good team in the East right now because – um, you know, Toronto's there, but I don't know that that team is, you know, unbeatable or untouchable. So you get two big superstars in New York and some, you know, a strong supporting cast, and you never know. What were your thoughts on the pre-trade deadline Anthony Davis sweepstakes and the package that the Lakers put together of, like, seven players, two first-round picks, and then word came out that the Pelicans were like, don't think it's enough picks. Sorry, I, I just don't think it, I was mind blown. Now we know that Anthony Davis stays with the Pelicans, you know, through the trade deadline, and now going into the offseason, that the thought is that he will be dealt, and, and that they were going to. It was going to be tough for a team to get Anthony Davis away from the Pelicans before the deadline, simply because they knew they could keep him and then deal him in the offseason. So they were asking extra. I don't think that's a completely stupid decision, but when I saw that, it was like seven players, two picks, and they're like, boy, you're uh, you're going to have to come with more. I was blown away. Yeah, I was too. I would have taken that deal in a heartbeat because there was some really good young talent. Ingram. Ingram, Lonzo, Ball, Kuzma. Kuzma. I think Lance Stevenson's playing good ball. Um, and then two first-round picks. I mean. You can I, build around that. No doubt. Um, and then you could, you could trade some of those guys and get some good value. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't know what the Lakers were doing there. I thought that was way too much. <laughs> when, um, they, when they threw Ingram in there, that's when I was just like, magic, Ingram, pump the brakes. Ingram and Kuzma. Yeah. you got to keep one of those guys, I think. <laughs> what, and when, then they put Rondo and Lonzo in there, so you have no point guard. And right before the deadline, did you see the memes of LeBron sitting alone at the end of the bench with like three seats between him and everyone else? It was one of two things. You could laugh at it in a couple ways. It was either, boy, well, I guess they've already traded away half the team that they were planning to trade away for Anthony Davis, or it was, yikes, there is some real dissension, and people are just like, LeBron, you're trying to trade all of us away. It's going to be you and AD and like three other guys, and it's going to be your 13th, 14th, and 15th guys in the roster. Yeah, and no, I, I think that there's been a lot of reports coming out of L.A. that there's not uh, good chemistry going on, and whether it's the coaching staff or some of the players, like it's it's certainly interesting, and I'm a LeBron fan. I, I, I want to see them win. I want them to get a championship or two more. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that, that things are going so well right now, <laughs> and I don't want to overreact, but I would be kind of frustrated if this guy who – um, you know, I'm playing with is wanting to trade me for, you know, seven of us for one guy, <laughs> essentially. So that that would be a very strange dynamic in the locker room. And I love Anthony Davis, too. I th I've, for the last two or three years, thought that if circumstances were a bit different, his numbers and his style of play, he is an MVP-type guy every single year. And I, I really think that if those two were put together, that would match – in history, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just now, but in history – rival pretty much any one-two that has ever come through the NBA, whether it be Jordan and Pippen, Bird, and any of the three or four players that he was playing with back in the late 80s, uh, you know, even Curry Durant, if you want to throw those two in. But uh, the fact that seven guys and the future was being mortgaged, and I get that, you know, Magic feels like there's a big weight on his back, and that weight is about, you know, six foot nine inches and 260 pounds. 
that he brings them here with nothing. The team's kind of so-so. It was doing fine before Rondo and LBJ were injured, but, yeah. um, boy, I, I don't know. It, 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 it seemed like a lot, and I'll be very interested to see when the offseason comes around what does happen with AD. Um, NBA All-Star Weekend, any interest? Not really. Really? Can't, um, can't even do the dunk competition anymore? A, no, not even, it's gotten wor- progressively worse. I'm a big J.J. Redick fan. Really? Um, so he was in the three-point. You three like point, Duke? Yeah. I'm a Duke yeah. guy because of J.J. Like Redick. Yeah. I like how you say it. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know that you're going to catch, catch Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, but, no, I've always liked J.J. Redick, and he was in the three-point contest for two years, and one year he stepped on the three-point line and made a two. So that was kind of his, like, infamous moment. Right. But um, I don't think he's going to be involved in All-Star Weekend, so – Probably won't pay much attention to it. Your uh, general reaction to ETSU signing day. We went over last week um, on Wednesday and Thursday where the program had holes. Obviously, quarterback, your position, was was one where it seems like it's going to be a bit of an open competition. Um, At least that's from what I can gather looking at the roster and what ETSU brought in. Uh, It's easy to look now when you break it down, and once we did do that, it, it became a lot more clear to me and it was really just backing up uh, exactly what we thought, um, where you know there were holes and depth needed to be added. Uh, but it, it helps when you get it on paper like we did. So obviously you're good at running back. I, I didn't realize until we did get it on paper that Nate Atkins was the only tight end left on the roster, essentially. Uh, Dawson Pearson is listed as a tight end, but I know he's played a lot of line in high school and, and really more of, seems like more of a lineman at least. Um, you look at wide receiver, of course. Coach Sanders talked a lot about during the season that they needed weapons, and you know you see um, the the four that are back that played you know relatively extensively, and it's not an empty cover by any means, but uh, needed to add depth there. It seemed like offensive line. I thought there was a decent amount back in the offensive line. Of course, losing Matt Pike certainly hurt. Uh, then you go to the defensive side, needed a nose guard, kind of you know had to add somebody in the middle. Um, your linebackers, uh, depending on Jared Folks, um, you know. He was a big playmaker, obviously. You still have some players back, but if you lose Gatewood, Weigel, and Folks, that really hurts. And then the defensive backfield, I think, is maybe the strongest position where ETSU returned. What did you overall think of what ETSU did? And I'm going to ask you one specific before we move on. Yeah, I thought it was probably the best signing class we've had. You know, some kids getting offers from bigger schools, and, you know, there was kind of some, you know, nervousness there for a little bit but I think that shows how good this class is that there's some FBS schools really wanting some of the players that we signed so um, yeah my opinion is it's probably the best class that we've signed on paper we'll see how they perform on the field but I think they address some of those needs Um, and I think some of those guys who you know maybe didn't get the opportunity to play much last year will step up we had some really good guys who were redshirted that I think will uh, make make an impact on the field this year and um, like I was mentioning with you, I, I met the quarterback, the mm-hmm. Tyler Rydell kid yeah. out of Tampa. Um, seems to be a really dynamic player. Um, we'll get to see him, you know, in the fall and fall camp and see what he does. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think that I, I still think there could be some later signings. I don't think that signing day is the end all be all. I think there's some some later ones that'll come down the line. So, um, you know, so far, I think it's a really good class. Do you think that? This is an open competition, quote unquote. When it comes to quarterback, is that is that what it seems like to you? That that generally is what happens when a starter such as yourself, who started forty one of I think forty four games or whatever it was during the time that you were here, when you leave, of course that leaves a big hole. So, uh, does it strike you as an open competition? 
Yeah, with Coach Sanders, it's an open competition every <laughs> it's day. All, yeah, yeah. Um, right. I, I would go into every Thursday practice hoping to practice well because maybe I wouldn't start. Wow. You know, it was that's how it is, and I think you know while you're going through it, it's pretty stressful. But um, you know, looking back at it, it made me so much better because every practice was essentially a game. Um, so I think it's always going to be an open competition, no matter if you have a returning starter or not. That's just kind of how the program's set up now and the culture of the, the team is. So I would say every position's open. Obviously, some guys who played a lot last year are going to be the guys who end up being on the field. But um, every player on the team has an opportunity to show what they have, you know, here in the spring and during fall camp. And um, I think I think you'll see a lot of guys that maybe didn't play much last year emerge as some big-time contributors. All right, real-life route tree, let's talk about you. Last time we left off a couple weeks ago, uh, you were waiting to hear from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I, I know that you had a buddy at the – or you made friends with them at um, at the camp that you went to um, and, you know, did your tryout and everything where he was like, yeah, man, I think that, you know, you're – I think you're definitely getting a call or they've said that you're getting a call or whatever the case may be uh, to go up to mini camp. Uh, what happened with Saskatchewan? Did anything happen? Are you still waiting? Has that resolved itself? Yeah, I haven't gotten a call hmm. from Saskatchewan, so I'm guessing, um, you know, that's that trip is kind of sailed. Did you hit up your boy and be like, why are you giving me bad information, man? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's the guy, the connection I had ended up going to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, Have you gotten any calls from the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> only, only two. You know, they, <laughs> right. they, wanted, they offered seven, uh, seven years, you know, $48 million. Sure. So I thought, right. yeah. I'll pump the brakes right. on that a little bit. Yeah. Just kidding, obviously. But, no, um, yeah, I'm still still training, still working out. Um, I think there, we may have a pro day here at ETSU. Um, so going to get ready for that if we do have it and still stay ready in case, you know, there's other calls or other opportunities. I know the AAFL or whatever it is, American AAF. football. Yeah, AAF <laughs> um, has started. Um, but, really, once that gets over, players from this – 2018 class, um, they'll start to look at us after that season. So, um, yeah, I'll stay in shape for a while. If if nothing happens, um, you know, after this whole calendar year passes, right. then then it, it's it's too far gone. But as of now, I'm working in the the ticket office here for ETSU yeah. Athletics. So, Blue and gold, baby. Um, if you guys wanna wanna buy some tickets, call four two three four three nine three eight seven eight. I'm Austin with ETSU Athletics, so um, would be more than happy to sell you some tickets. So. That's where I'm at now. You have uh, you're already ingratiated them because you've already got the entire thing down. I, I, I can see it already. So yeah, Austin Eric, if you just want to have a conversation with him about anything, life. Uh, if, if you want to discuss your issues, Austin's a great listener. So you know, feel free to give him a call. Uh, Toronto. I know there was something with the Toronto Argonauts. You said you had a connection there, but something might work out. Anything progressed there, or is that on the back burner? Yeah, I'm still kind of in talks with a few of those guys. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, still. Keeping my options pretty open, and uh, yeah, so and I'm still sending out you know our resumes and cover letters for On the coaching, coaching side, right? Yeah, okay, coaching position. So um, yeah, the real life route tree is in play, and um, just trying to figure out you know what I'm gonna do with my life. <laughs> I, I envision the real life route tree usually as a fork in the road, right? Like it, it's here's ETSU quarterback Austin Herrick, and I'm drawing in midair, which is terrible for radio, but. You've got the one line, and then the lines were like coaching or playing, 
uh, was there a third line? I can't remember if there was a third administration, line. Administration, yeah. right, was the third line. And so now I see, like, seven different lines off of the other lines. And yeah. It's just, it's kind of blowing my mind. I can't imagine it being in your mind. Yeah, no, it is, uh, it's definitely an interesting time. I think that a lot of people who finish playing college athletics or really just leaving college uh, have a similar dilemma. Like, all right, what do I do? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. um yeah, I think it's a, a pretty normal process to go through, and um, I'm very fortunate and glad that I'm able to work here at ETSU right now, and you know, kind of help you know find out what I really want to do. So, in the meantime, I'll I'll kind of keep my options open and and, and see what's going on. Real life route tree, Austin Herrick. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate it, Austin Herrick on the route tree. We will be right back on Sandos and the Sidekick. More on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new Made to Crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom milk. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new Made to Crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson County locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. 
It's a big day. Angry Man is back, and... You two are in the same room. We are in the same room. Angry Man, how does it feel to see the face of a man that you have avoided for nearly ten weeks now on Santos and the Sidekick? Had one face-to-face conversation, which did not end well, led to parties going separate ways in order for us to do a segment. It's great to see Santos' face again. You're hiding behind the screen, though. I, I am. Don't I've be seen, afraid. I have seen you throw things. Uh, come on, don't be afraid. I think it's, it's Valentine's Day week. Oh what a soft spot. Now are you, are you oh. filled with love, oh. Angry Man? I, I'm very curious to see how a man such as yourself views Hallmark holidays such as these that we have this week. And you've been on the record, well chronicled, as saying you do have a wife, you do have a child. You mm-hmm. are someone that, while on air, is viewed as very angry. There clearly is some human side of you deep down inside. There is. I've got a soft spot in my heart. And I'm... I may shock you with this, but I do enjoy going to the store and picking out a good card, whether it's for a birthday or... An apology? <laughs> no. Okay. An apology? Who goes out and buys a card for an apology, when, Sandos? When you have the amount of anger that you do, it may be necessary sometimes. Are you expecting me to give you a card? That's yes. a fair question. Yes, I am. Now, do you feel, Jay, that... Never! First of all, he's never given me the, you know, on our uh, friend anniversary or... Fr- friend anniversary. Yeah. He's never given me one of those either. What? I, I don't understand why not. What is, what is friend anniversary? Friend anniversary? What is this? Maybe there's more animosity with Jay rather than yourself here because I think I portrayed it on air while I was trying to mediate this whole conflict that it was all you being mad at Jay. It sounds like there's some coming back at you from Jay's side. I, I'm just saying he buys cards... It would be nice every once in a while. That is fair, Angry Man. You want me to get you a little cute heart with Skittles taped on the back and be my Valentine? In, in fairness, you, you had me at Skittles. I don't know what else you said, but uh, I'll take the Skittles. Something uh, wrong with Skittles? No, there's not. The sour Skittles are unbelievable. Sour Skittles are yeah. certainly uh, certainly. Uh, oh, here we go. Of course, okay. Because they burn your tongue. They rip your tongue apart, just like Sour Patch Kids. You put so many in your mouth, and they sit there, and they make your tongue raw. No one told you to eat them 20 at a time, Angry Man. Well, that's the only way to eat good candy. <laughs> Clearly no self-control and just shove There's none. In there, huh? there is none. Yeah, I, uh, you've I, I, apparently I, never traveled with them where he just rips the top of the box off and just shoves much, it all in. Much like in, in, like, skits where you have someone just pouring the whole oh, thing yeah, onto their yeah, face. Or the, whole, the popcorn guy, right? Yeah. Right, right. The famous popcorn guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's that guy. Incredible. Are you, are you telling me... Sidekick that when you eat Skittles, you take the top off and you pop one in at a time. I don't eat Skittles. One in uh, I don't eat you Skittles. don't eat Skittles? Uh, I've never been a Skittle Can guy. I like sour Skittles, but I will do two or three. I don't eat the whole pack. Of no, 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 no. Like, like, here's the way I envision Sidekick color coordinating them and getting them out of the bag, <laughs> oh, putting them by man. each color, no and only eating the certain colors at the same time. You wouldn't save, mix the colors. you got to say pink for last. That is the best. Well, you, hey, I called that, and I had no idea. I you called that. You've head spinning right now. You color code them, and you don't eat regular Skittles, but you eat sour Skittles. I, sour you just Skittles. put them all in your mouth and enjoy the fun at once. There's like 40 Skittles in one pack. I mean, you're going to have the chipmunk cheeks, Angry Man. I don't want to look at There's nothing wrong with that. No? 
No. I would hope you'd save that for the comfort of your own home. I do it wherever I buy Skittles. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see that. I I have a feeling, uh, I derailed this, but uh, I have a feeling that's not what you're angry about, uh, the way he eats Skittles. Although it does make you angry, I'm assuming that's not why you came in here today. No, I've I've got another thing, guys. Get it off your chest. Unburden yourself. You you guys make pasta, right? Noodles? Yes, a lot. Noodles? Here and there. Here and there. Here and there. Just two more. Okay. Trying to cut down the But you've made them before. You... You get the pot, you boil the water. Wait, yeah. what'd you say? I said I'm trying to cut down the gluten intake a little bit. You totally glossed over that angry man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad you're wearing a man shirt today. That's all I can say. This one's a little big on me. I'll have to go back to smaller shirts tomorrow. Yeah. You're, at least you're wearing the right shirt today. I'll give you that prop. But anyway, right. back to the noodles. Yeah. Boiling water, you put the noodles in, make sure they get al dente, and then... <laughs> Get what? Allah <laughs> who? Is that Angry Man knows English language? What was that? What was that? I, I'm not sure where you're going with that. What is that? Are, are you, is this like French Angry done. Man? What's it called? El, El Adente or whatever, isn't it? It's I don't, right I've never heard of that. What, I'm Sandos, not... help me out here. <laughs> no, I'm, no, listen, they make fun of me enough for the English language. I'm going to let you roll on this one. That sounds it. like uh, Nickel or Rare Fried, as we were talking about with Jay on Jay Knows. Anyway, listen. You put the noodles in, you let them cook. Yeah. What are you supposed to do next? I would drain the water from the pot. Thank you. Some people do not drain the water, and it creates this white film on top, and it's impossible to clean up when they're done. Would you Who care, does that? Would you care to name names? I'm not naming names. That's probably a good call. It is a good Who call. Who does that? I think you know. I think we'll have to keep everyone else in the dark, but that is strange. I, I think that's... You want to get the no- the noodles to your mouth as fast as you can, right? I mean, you want to be able to eat. Why would you leave the water? It, wouldn't that, A, cook them longer because the water's still hot, yes, so then yes. it could be overcooked exactly. and dry. Uh, or, B, uh, that, that well, also leaves you having wait, to... Wait, dry? Well, I, I think, don't they, like, kind of then start to crisp up and they're, like, they lose some of their... No, you know, I would think the, the noodle would just, them. like, disintegrate is what would happen. Dry? <laughs> if it's still in water, how does well, it dry? But after you... Because you're not going to eat the noodles while they're in the water, right? You shouldn't, no. Right. So once you pour the water out, then if they're overcooked, don't they become dry? Isn't that what happens? Aren't they dry before you cook them? Jay, well, yeah, that's why you cook them, so they're not dry anymore. How would they become dry again? Because you overcook them, and all the moisture is overcooked out of them. Jay's nodding his head. Look at him. Yeah, you don't want to overcook noodles. See, there you go. Have you, well, apparently, you've never overcooked noodles. So apparently, which is good. Which is good. It's very good you don't understand that because that means, like, you haven't did that. But, it, yes, you can overcook it noodles. It means you're directing your anger to someone that, quote-unquote, cooks noodles the wrong way when clearly you've never cooked noodles yourself is what it sounds well, like. I have cooked noodles. Well, here's sure. my question. Yes! Are you, are you mad because they didn't immediately drain? Yes, that's what I'm mad about. Okay. Now, I right. hate the film on top of the noodles. It drives me nuts. So what happens next after they just – how long do they sit there? How long are they left there? And then when do they get poured out? And, and, and what They never get poured out. What, you, what they do is they take a little scoop that drains the water out, and then they pour the noodles in their bowl. And then the pan just sits there for like an hour. And that's when that film starts. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. It ticks me off. So I'm trying to rack my brain on what food-related ones we've had. I vividly remember the salsa being mm. crusted to the side mm. of the jar. Yes. And the A1, I think there was A1 with that same problem. The A1, A1 you A1 can't was, get the oh, knife in the hole, though, because oh, yeah. the top is too narrow. Well, there's, there was the dishes. 
tissues. Uh, where yeah. you don't wash them before you put them in the dish. Yeah. And this is part of a dishes thing because it gets the dish yeah. hard to clean off the film. Correct. If there are dishes that sit in this thing for more than about – and even I'm bad with it now, but it's been like 12 or so hours, I'm just like, oh. I, I got I to do something yes. here because at that point you've lost the battle. You, you may win the itch. war. You may win the war when you clean it yourself, but it'll take extra effort. It'll take extra time. You have lost the battle. I don't understand how hard it is to just run water over the dish. Just run the water. You don't even have to be there. Turn it on. Walk away. Come back. Job done. I mean, just I mean, like yep. uh, uh, like cereal, right? You get any cereal? Not, of course, like men, we drink the milk at the end, but pe- mm-hmm. some people don't. And the milk is still left in there. People that don't drink the milk. Yes, yes, yes. And and it's a waste. You go in the sink. Not only have you wasted the best flavored milk you'll ever have in your life. Oh, God, the sugar cereal. You know what I keep doing, though? I keep going back and pouring more cereal cereal in because there's more milk. That's a good point. And then you just keep, and then then when there's a little bit of milk left, then you just take the bowl and drink it. But if you were to not drink the milk, which I think is blasphemy, if you didn't, can you not just either dump the milk out? Or maybe run a little water and dump the milk out. Yeah. I don't understand how hard that is. I don't get it. Can I ask a safe space, right? No. Not a safe <laughs> with, space. With angry man in here? Okay, go ahead. Uh, I had to do an assignment the other day for one of my classes, mm. uh, finishing up the master's degree. and uh, Smart man. Yeah, well, I'm trying. Lucky Charms was the topic of, Ooh, this, yes. of this post. So let's hold off on the smart until I'm actually done with the actual example. Uh, it was about marketing, you know, kind of in-depth marketing type stuff. Point being... I included in my assignment, you're supposed to summarize for your classmates and your discussion board online. You know, online school, that's kind of how it works. There's a discussion board and such. And uh, I basically said that I will, from time to time, go out and buy a couple boxes of Lucky Charms and still indulge in that delicious that delicious flavor that I've missed out on for about mm-hmm. 10 or so years since I was a child. You know, I haven't eaten Lucky Charms in quite some time. So I'll go out, you know. Treat myself to some Lucky Charms, and there was there were very passive aggressive responses, basically saying like you're not an adult if you're still eating Lucky Charms. That's bogus. It is right. That is so ridiculous. I can still eat whatever I want, right? If, yes. If, if there's exactly. Some, if there's something from when I was a child, I can eat it now today, being a full grown adult. Case of point, we were adult, we were on the road. We were on the road a couple weeks ago, and we had a bunch of variety of cereals to choose from. Sure. So I ch- I started off with Raisin Bran Crunch, okay? Mm. Just to start the day off Big well. Big fan of it, yeah. But then there's also Cocoa Krispies. Ooh. You cannot bypass the Cocoa Krispies. Did you get some looks when you went back for the Cocoa Krispies? I don't We're, care. You know, I don't really care. I'm just and curious. you shouldn't care either that people don't think you're an adult because you eat Lucky Charms. I'm so. just curious about the I'm curious about the perceptions around sugar cereal and if others have gotten the same response. They're missing out on being an adult, just living life the right way. So, so should I be judged because I will go to the Mennonite store down the road and just buy the Lucky Charms big bag of marshmallows, Ooh. forget the other stuff. That's a thing? Yes. Yes. I need to take you then. Life change. I will take you. And we will buy just the bag of the marshmallows, wow. and then I either put it in my hot cocoa or I just pour it in a bowl and just eat the marshmallows. Can you imagine how delicious that milk is going to be? I don't know if I can do just the marshmallows, though. I, I need, need a little, little bit of something bit to break of, it up. Yeah, I need a little bit of the cereal part. I think I'd probably eat less of it if it was just marshmallows. Yeah. No, no, you still no, just no. You sorry. Once you get that, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yeah, once you it? you get a couple couple handfuls in there, buddy, you're just gonna keep uh, eating. I'm just telling you. Did you watch any of the AAF this weekend, Angry Man? I watched some late Saturday tonight, and I watched a little bit. I think it was Utah, Arizona on Sunday. As and I was shot, Matt Asiata got a touchdown run. Yes, the first he did. Score. That was like okay. There Matt we go. Asiata, former yeah. uh, former, former Viking. Viking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Probably did some terrible things to your Chicago Bear team. Yeah. Uh, he was he was pretty average. Uh, 
Point being, are you a, fa I would think angry man being the traditionalist purist, uh, very much a, a man's type man, I think that you would be a fan of this new football with the the hits that were levied. Uh, there were some, there I were saw some, some video on Twitter, they're like, wow, they actually allow you to hit the quarterback. There were some big hits. Uh, Orlando busted out the quote-unquote Philly special, and they had, they had the overhead sky cam that was, it looked to me about three yards away from the ball on that play as they were showing the shot into the end zone. There were a lot of very interesting changes. I don't think there were any onside conversions for the fourth and 12. The one thing the I don't kick. like, you guys, I'd probably be criticized now, but why probably. do you have to go for two when you score a touchdown? So you want the extra points? Yes, yeah, it's, it's part of the game. It's part think, of the game. So then you must think the kickoffs are part of the game too. Exactly. So you want kickoffs back? Yes, I want kickoffs, and I want two-point conversion, or get rid of two-point, just extra point. It's part of the game. I think. Have it you is. heard the overtime rules? I'm no. Not. Four downs from the ten-yard line, like high school. Oh my gosh! Each team gets possession and no oh. extra points. I got to go for two. I have a feeling that you're not buying into the AF changing the game. You love Angry Man. Nah, I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I watched it and it was exciting. I watched. I watch it more than I watch the Canadian League and whatnot. Whoa. But Whoa. yeah, that, Whoa. I'm sorry, Sandoz. Whoa. That's Here's my question. Are you buying into the fact that the rating was higher than the Oklahoma City-Houston game that same night, or do you think that there was a lot of things going in the favor of the AAF? Firstly, the fact that there was the first weekend, quote-unquote, without football. Uh, just a curi general curiosity, like, how is it going to be? Now you can see a big rating But didn't the NBA Some come back and say something about the rating? Like, the numbers were skewed? And well, that's what I'm the NBA sure. should do, yeah. because... Because it's embarrassing. Yes. And that was a great game, too, the Rockets and Thunder. That was... It was, and it should it should draw in big viewers with Westbrook versus Harden. Yeah. But point being, uh, if they can continue those type of ratings, I'm just curious if you think that it will continue in that because that those were big ratings for a first weekend. Remember what happened with the XFL? Now those kind of, you know. Well, they had some other issues that happened. Well, the the taper off happened after that big electrical outage yes. in week two, yes. and then the whole kerfuffle about the Saturday Night Live was being hosted by was it Mariah Carey or Jennifer Lopez that and night? Gonna, yeah, cut in. And it, and yeah. it got yeah, it got pushed back like 45 minutes and Lauren Michaels was all mad and people never really came back after that so I don't think there are any disasters for the AAF no, that first week at least no you they can say you want kicks back well, and, and they did predict know. that their the game times because of no kickoffs review extra points would be like two hours and yeah. 45 minutes two thirty is what they were aiming for right and they averaged 310 yeah they were actually longer yeah than NFL now the one thing I did like though that they did when they go and review to play they actually had like a camera in the box and there's discussion of, okay, let's get a different angle. They're actually talking about, okay, was that a catch? Did they have possession? Did the ball come out? It was actually an in-depth look of the review. I thought that was pretty neat. With some hilarious But they also calls. screwed up the yeah, call. With some they hilarious screwed calls. up the call still. But I don't know. I'll, I'll watch a little bit if I'm at home out on my couch. I'm not going to make a tune-in TV and i got to be there for three not hours. That's not appointment television yeah. for you, yeah. Uh, tell me this. You seem rather subdued, at least compared to normal. Anything else in sports that's grinding your gears, shall we say? Referees that want to showboat be big time and try to itch their way to, to give a technical foul. Know your role, officials. Know your role. And don't try to walk your way into a technical foul when you know exactly what you're doing. Care to name names? No. <laughs> got a job. Can you, can you give a... Uh... A good, for instance. Mm, 
I don't even know. But I can't go there. Yeah, you probably can't. Uh, you, have you seen the videos of the one NHL ref? I can't remember who it is, but he is very demonstrative on the ice with his calls. So do a five for fighting and those type of things in the crowd. Always, you know, he's pumped up about that. Do, do you think there's a line between – because at that point, that referee, whoever it is that you may talk, you may be, be talking about, walks themselves into literally a game-changing play, whereas the ref I'm discussing, the NHL ref, actually is just – I want to say giving a bit of showmanship to his calls, which doesn't necessarily change the game. I think they're two separate things. Well, you know, okay. Case of point, yeah, if there's like a big charge foul, and you're going to see the ref hop up on one leg and point the other. No. Make the call and get down the court. It's not about them, is it's it? It's not about you. You get your paycheck, do it the right way, and go home, and not anyone knows who you are. You've done a great job. But when people start knowing who you are, you... I'm going to stop. Some stop. people have... Some <laughs> the vein in his neck got yeah. to a different <laughs> level right I was there. almost making eye contact with it, which is why I kind of uh, yeah, I looked, looked away. up there. I looked yeah, away. That was yeah. smart. Um, I think the showmanship is fun. Some people have called the referees the third team on the quarter of the ice. Yeah? There's always Teams the want to win, angry man. Teams want to win. Right. There's always the ever-popular eight-on-five in yeah. basketball. <laughs> yes. Like, you add the number yeah. official to who's playing who. In football, it'll be like 18 on 11. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Tough... Stuff to play, two teams, yes. you know, they always yes. have the little fancy saying. For anger, man, I feel like you watching any game, it's tough to play all three teams on the TV because you're only cheering for either the Bears or DePaul or ETSU. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, when you're watching a neutral side game, you're cheering against both teams and then also the referees. Exactly. It's the referees, the other team, and the other team against you. Yep, that's, that's a right. tough battle to win, anger. You're man. right, yeah. You're, you're a pioneer. You're a savior to us all. Hey. I'm a special man. Good to have you two back in the same room. We, we ran out of time. I had a good one for him, but we're out of time. Today. Okay, we I'll save it for, for next week. Save, save it for next week. <sighs> I think everybody feels better, right? Got some things off your chest. Mike Gallagher eats cereal. Go eat Skittles about two at a time. The milk, we're fine. He's Try a separator it. of Skittles. It happens. It's okay. And your man will see you next week, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right, what are we doing? Top twenty-five, mid-major. Right after this time out to hear a word. From Sanderson, the sidekick, this is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. 
Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bry guy, what do you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. That means uh, one thing if you stuck with us through that, and I don't know if you did. But if you did, that means it's time to talk a little College Insider Tight 25. Fan. Big fan. One of my favorite segments of the week. Now, there's not a lot of change at the top this week in the College Insider Top 25. The top seven all stay the same. Gonzaga blew out San Francisco and St. Mary's by 78 combined points. Wofford, number two. Of course, they had the tight one against ETSU then on Saturday, beat Western by 27. UNCG, number three. Beat Sanford by eight, then 15 point win over Chattanooga. Then Buffalo beat Central Michigan by 14 in their only game last week. Belmont beat Eastern Kentucky by 18, and Moorhead by double digits as well. Hofstra beat Elon, dismantled Elon by 41, and squeaked by William and Mary by six. Lipscomb decimated North Florida by 37, and a nine point win over Jacksonville. So those top seven teams won their games last week by 265 combined points mm. in 13 games. That's that over, sounds like a lot. That's over 20 points per game. So there weren't a lot of close games played in that top seven. Number eight is Murray State. We talk about them every week, so we're going to kind of gloss over that. Uh, they're up one spot in the Ohio Valley from nine to eight. UC Irvine has won seven in a row. They are number nine in the College Insider Top 25. Only two of those seven wins, though, have been by double digits, conversely to the top seven and how they've been running through teams. Winning a lot of tight games are Irvine. Two-and-a-half game lead in the Big West should have that conference locked up. I know there's still some time left, but when you're looking at two or three games this late in the conference season, really it would have to be a strange series of circumstances that would knock you from your podium at the top of the league. And then New Mexico State rounds out the top ten combined margin of victory. Just four points last week, one of them against Grand Canyon, who were playing the Aggies in the standings. Uh, or chasing the Aggies in the standings, but Eli Chua, a three with six seconds left to extend their lead to two games rather than Grand Canyon, tying them at the top of the conference. Here's your top ten. 
Yeah, and uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of shock in there. Uh, I've seen New Mexico State play uh, personally, actually, right yeah. before the El Paso uh, tournament. Uh, Don Haskins, the head coach Chris Jans, was a uh, former assistant coach with Steve Forbes at two different places, so they're good buddies. And uh, they're a very good basketball team. They are long. they got some uh, guys, a lot of wingspan, can play some different positions, really can score. So um, no shock to me that New Mexico State is kind of climbing that ladder. Uh, it's going to be a fun OVC. I, I think Belmont and Murray State kind of running away with it, uh, but I, I think that's going to be entertaining. Lipscomb's just proven to be head and shoulders above everybody in the Atlantic Sun. And then the SOCON, which I know you're going to get to in a second, but number two and number three, yep. and they're going to play. It's going to be a tough week, uh, especially for UNCG, because they've got two of the top 14 teams. So I don't know what you'd rather have, three teams from the SOCON in the top eight like there were last week. Of course, I think ETSU fans would like it the way it was last sure. week, but this week you've got four in the top 15. Just to run through a couple other teams before we get to Furman and ETSU at 14 and 15, South Dakota State's number 11, Para wins for them. They've got Omaha this week. If they win that, it'll be a two-and-a-half game lead in the Summit, the top two teams tangling in a big mid-major matchup. So, again, as I mentioned, you get to that two-and-a-half game lead point, much like New Mexico State is at two, UC Irvine's at two and a half, and you're pretty much in control as long as things go how they should for those teams the rest of the way. They'll be in good shape. Toledo at number 12, really the only team that's locked up anything in the MAC. Bowling Green and Buffalo tied in the East Division standings at the top. Toledo has run away with the West. No other team above 500. They've also got a two and a half game lead. Then Vermont at number 13 in the America East, up one spot, and there's Furman at number 14. Biggest risers this week, climbing 10 spots. The biggest fallers were San Francisco. We'll talk about them in a second at number 21, but they were number 12 last week. And the team that uh, was down the second most spots, ETSU, uh, down 7 from 8 to 15. So Furman and ETSU round out the top 15. Yeah, and the, you know, ETSU is uh, the second uh, uh, biggest fall of anybody, went 7. And, and probably a little bit of respect because of one of the losses of Wofford. And the highest climber was Furman, right? They went 10 spots, 24 to 14. And, again, I tried to wave my finger at people because Furman gets all his games at home. What will they do with UNCG on Thursday? And then, uh, of course, they get VMI Saturday. Then the following Saturday, they get their arch rival Wofford back inside Timmins Arena. So we'll see how that goes. And it could be a rough week for UNCG. They just did the – they're going to have to do the same thing ETSU did, except they get – Furman on Thursday, and then they've got to try to bounce back and play out Wofford Saturday. I don't know if you if you probably had a, a, a different druthers. You'd probably do what ETSU did because Wofford's so physical. You'd rather play them Thursday as opposed to having a game against Furman and then get in that physical contact uh, contest against Wofford, especially when Wofford's going to sit there against VMI, and uh, I'm assuming just have a field day with them. Uh, you know, there's no real other sh- – San Francisco's – couple losses I, th- I think shocked me this week uh, besides ETSU and the, kind of the way they lost just like ETSU I'm sure on the, the loss at Furman when you look at uh, sort of the ups and downs of that top 25. I think pretty fair to have Furman one spot ahead of ETSU this week right? Oh yeah. Not oh, well, I mean if, if, in the league. I mean if nothing else I mean they're 20 and 5 ETSU's 19 and 7. Uh, Four I mean, losses eight. in the league each of them 30 point win over the other team. Yeah I mean just uh, you know right this second Furman you would say is playing better than ETSU too, right? I mean, but you, you would have said ETSU was probably playing better than Furman when they met the first time sure. after Furman lost to LSU and then was 
really housed by the Bucks by 23 at Freedom Hall. So very interesting to see those rankings with Furman moving ahead of ETSU, but probably fair. Liberty at number 16 out of the Atlantic Sun. They are the second team in the A-Sun in this poll so far. Of course, Lipscomb at number 7. They do not move to Liberty, number 16 last week, number 16 this week. Yale, number 17 in the poll. They beat Princeton in a showdown by 14. Now they're alone atop the Ivy League while Princeton tumbles out of the rankings having lost twice this past week. Number 18, Montana from the Big Sky. They hold their spot. Number 18 last week, number 18 this week. Stony Brook does the same out of the America East. They stand pat at 19 along with Vermont. Both won a pair last week and remain a game behind Vermont for the conference lead. Their final meeting of the regular season, that's March 2nd. UMBC, the Cinderella from last year, lurking two games back of the America East leaders, uh, that being, as I mentioned, Vermont. So uh, Stony Brook at number 19. Texas State out of the Sun Belt at number 20. There's San Francisco down those nine spots this week with a couple more losses. They are really struggling down the stretch, middle to late portions of the conference here. Number 22, Charleston. Bit of a must-win for the Cougars if they want to shot at the regular season CAA title against Hofstra coming up on Valentine's Day night. They're down by two and a half games, so Charleston really needs that one if they do want a chance to take that number one spot in the CAA. A couple of teams that were not in the rankings last week, Sam Houston State, number 23, Northern Kentucky, number 24 out of the Southland Horizon League, respectively. They move in to the College Insider Top 25, and then Bowling Green down two spots out of the Mid-American they are number 25, rounding out the poll. So, again, Gonzaga, all 31 first-place votes. ETSU and Furman are two of the four that are in the top 25 this week for the SoCon, Wofford, and Greensboro. The other two at number two and three in the poll, Buffalo and Belmont. Bon, excuse me, Belmont rounding out the top five. Hofstra, Lipscomb, Murray State, UC Irvine, New Mexico State, and outside of the top ten, some notable South Dakota <laughs> State, uh, Yale, uh, and all the way down at the bottom, uh, Bowling Green. And a pretty good matchup, if I'm not mistaken, Buffalo's at Toledo on Friday night. I think that's a national televised game. So I think that's uh, that'll be a fun one to watch. So a couple big matchups this week. Wofford, uh, uh, well, UNCG plays 14 Furman Thursday, number two. Wofford, of course, that's in the, the league that we follow the most here. And then I think the next most intriguing matchup is that Buffalo at Toledo matchup on Friday. And so I think uh, still could be, I don't know, usually there's not much shakeup in those teams like that get together, but if UNCG goes 0-2, I'll be curious to see uh, where they go in the standings compared to maybe ETSU. Last week, only two mid-majors with 20 wins. Now there's 14, so a good week for mid-major back. Yeah, and, and a couple teams knocking on a door, ETSU most notably, Murray State and Belmont, all with 19 wins with Texas State as well. So, and San Francisco's got 18. They can win two games in the West Coast as well. So, a lot of teams getting up in that 20 uh, range, and we'll see how many maybe get to 25 to 28. Maybe even 30 for the Wofford Terriers. And honestly, if the NCG ones out, they could get there as well. Set it up. Santa's in the sidekick on a glorious Tuesday, Wednesday. Believe it or not, we're talking baseball. Yes. Head coach Joe Panucci will join us for about 15 or 20 minutes ahead of ETSU series against Iona this weekend. The opener for ETSU will be televised on the Southern Conference Digital Network. And a new segment, Tweets by Trey. Something you know more about this than I do. Brought to you by, I don't know, Dr. Love. Next tomorrow. Sports Network.